3, the big reveal. It starts off this way. Paul has a mystery. He has a sacred secret that needs to be shared. And in this passage, in these verses there, starting in verse 1, chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul begins to make this mystery known. I don't know, do you, do you remember when you were a kid, possibly, that you liked mystery novels? I, I got to thinking about when I was a kid, and I didn't like the Nancy Drew, but they had the Hardy Boys and the Bobsy Twins and all those. Anybody remember those? Am I like really dating myself? Yeah. Something. And then you, you fast forward that, you know, you've got what, I guess, Tom Clancy and all these other, but people have always liked mystery writers or those kind of mystery books where things get revealed. You know, scientists, they, they like to unravel mysteries. I mean, you know, of course, right now, they'd love to find the cure for cancer. How many would like to find that, for them to find that? I mean, wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. And, uh, and, and doctors, they love to discover all the time these mysteries of the body. You know, why does this happen? Why does that not happen? And uh, historians, they, they love to uncover the great mysteries of history. And archaeologists, and they, as they study, and uh, particularly like biblical archaeology, as they begin to find uh, remnants and things that just continue to affirm, not that I need that because I have faith in God's made himself so known, but it does encourage uh, the community. Uh, parents, you, you, you like to discover mysteries. You know, mysteries in your house maybe aren't as profound, but some of the ones I think about is like, uh, who broke the lamp? And it's always, my brother did it, you know. Uh, or, or here's one, who left the freezer door open? And all the, anybody ever been guilty of that? Yeah, and, and everything gets ruined or spoiled, and you're like, man, I don't know, man, my sister did that, okay. So, uh, or, or here's the one for dads. Okay, I'm just wondering who left my drill out in the rain. Yeah, and somebody just said, oh, man, thank you. I need to go home and put it up because my dad is going to have a cow when he goes looking for that. But um, I think about mysteries, they create suspense, they create excitement. And, and we're thrilled when the mystery finally gets solved. And then some mysteries aren't so hard to discover and they get revealed or whatever. But as, as I think about this, as a pastor, you know, I like to look at, if you will, three theological mysteries that get revealed. Today, that, that's the title of the, of the sermon today, The Big Revealed. Paul brings forth this revealing that was hidden in days, ages past. And he wants people to come near. He, he wants them to know uh, you know, now, what I've learned after being a Christ follower for a long time, a lot of times when people pick up this book, and if I think really hard back 40 years ago, and you pick up this book and you've never been a student of God's Word, it is hard to understand. It seems archaic. The language seems sometimes confusing. Even as you begin to grow in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit that I've talked about through this series, and He becomes that resident teacher and illumination comes still Sometimes you're just like, God, why did you have to make it so difficult for certain passages? Because some of it's a mystery. How many of you are glad that God has some mysteries that he's not yet revealed? Yeah. How many of you are looking forward to the day when all the mysteries will be revealed and we shall know him in part and see him fully? Amen? I mean, I look forward to that. People ask me a lot of questions and sometimes I can answer them from, from Scripture. Sometimes I don't know. And it's there for a reason. Like, it's like when you teach through the book of Revelation, that great book of Scripture. There's so many different camps and teachings and so much that we can know for certain, but others that are just yet a mystery that will be revealed. And so I ask myself, maybe as you ask yourself, God, could you make it a little clearer? 
But then you're reading your scriptures and your morning devotions or you're reading the Bible in a small group or a study and all of a sudden, the mystery to you becomes enlightened and, and you see and you're like, man, I, now I see what God meant. Oh, this is what Paul did here. But what I want to say, just some things that are going to come up here one by one. God will bring them to life. I think you just got to tap it there. Did, did it come up? No? Move on down there. I want to see if he gets this, because if he doesn't, I'm going to just die here. Here we go. No? That's not it. It was a section before that. It didn't come up? That's, that's okay. Hey. All right, let me give them to you. God will bring them to life. He brings us to faith. He, he forgives our sins. These are some of the things that God makes known to us. He declares us righteous by his namesake. He gives us the spirit. He makes us holy. He raises us from the dead. He goes on to uh, bring us to faith. He, he forgives our sins. I mean, there's just so many things here that God begins to reveal to us as we come to faith, as, as we trust Christ. And it's really a beautiful thing. If, if you look there at this graphic, look there with me. Just right, right there inside the magnifying glass, right verse 6. Because really, that's where it really picks up. We start in verse 1, but in verse 6, that's when he magnifies and he reveals the great secret of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. It's, it's really awesome. We'll, we'll go through this. Here, here, here's the secret. You're saying, well, Keith, this mystery, the secret, what is it? It's this simple. And I'm grateful. God loves gentiles that's it amen. <laughs> amen now jack we we talked about you last week and your jewish heritage and you're in, in in christ and that's awesome but the rest of us are not jewish and we are glad that god didn't just die for the jews that he just didn't come for the jews so he came to the jews and in in the old testament times a lot of times they thought oh we're special they were special for a purpose to reveal jehovah to reveal god not to keep it to themselves. So when Paul, that great persecutor of the church of Christians and, 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 and had the stoning of Stephen and on and on and on, and he gets just it radically transformed by Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, then he makes Christ known. And then he becomes the, the preacher. He becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. And I got to tell you, he already caught a lot of flack for being a persecutor of Christians. But when he made the mystery of Jesus known to Gentiles, he created more hate groups for him. People weren't thrilled. I'm glad that he came. These two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, and yet the purpose there was to attract people to God, to, to point them to God. I think, has it changed today? No. That if you're in Christ, you're a Christian, one of your biggest responsibilities is to reflect God to other people. And the church said, I mean, that's it, man. People need to see hope. Last time I checked, hope is in a person. The person is Jesus. And as Jesus dwells in you by faith, you reflect him to a dark world that knows nothing of hope eternal. Um, we begin to display this great God. That's, in Paul's missionary movements, when we read the 13 letters in the New Testament that Paul is attributed to being the author, he puts God on display. Jesus Christ, high and exalted. It, it, it's really neat. And then he also goes on to preach unity. Write down the word unity and circle it. He preaches unity for those that will believe. For all those that will believe. For the Jews that will believe. For the Gentiles that will believe. Uh, the first 13 verses of Ephesians, he just talks about mysteries that I'm trying to somehow 
get to you today that you go, wow, this is, this is interesting. So let's look there. Chapter 3, verse 1. Look with me. I'm reading out of the NIV this weekend. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of your Gentiles. I think on the screen it came up, the ESV, the English Standard Version. This is a, a preferred version right now pretty much among Baptists. This is one of the ones they've really kind of adopted, I think, in their denomination. And, and I like it. I, I, like, I just like Scripture, and the church said, good. Okay, here it is. Look at it. For this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of your Gentiles. Here it is. Paul was a prisoner. We know from the writings of Paul that Paul's always in prison. Paul's always being arrested under home arrest for proclaiming Jesus and creating riots and stirs and community after community. And Paul could have complained. He could have been angry. He could have been bitter. But I do not see that in the letters of Paul. Matter of fact, one of my favorite books in the New Testament is the book of Philippians. We call it the book of joy. And Paul has, as we've read, as we've studied that book together, he has immense joy because of Jesus that he's been in prison for his namesake. And because Paul finds himself in prison time after time, he finds himself chained to guards in six-hour increments. That would be 24-hour periods, four guards a day. And I don't know what their uh, Sabbath or what their principle was to be off. And, you, got, you know, did you get overtime and all this stuff? Who knows about all that? All I know is they were chained, they were close to Caesar's household, to his palace. And you know what Paul did? I'm convinced when I read Philemon and Philippians and Colossians and all through, Paul, had, he was a one-track man. Paul always wanted to talk about who? Jesus. He always wanted to brag about this Christ that had changed him. I'm convinced person after person, guard after guard, read the book of Acts, read the New Testament, they come to faith because of the witness of Paul. He, he's amazing. And yet, um, he, he gets in these situations, and we'd go, a prisoner? That's a bad situation. I think it is. But you know what? I, I got to thinking, I'm glad Paul got in prison. Because Paul got in prison, he slowed down, and we have a lot of our New Testament. Because he recorded these writings from the Holy Spirit as God led him. So the, the gospel landed Paul in prison. At least seven different times he had jail is his address that's the place that he lived um, he was chained in these shifts throughout the day uh, can you imagine the apostle paul this great orator this great mind this great proclaimer of jesus can you imagine doing a background check on paul paul would not be able to work in the christ community nursery i, mean, I thought that was funny i mean heather heather will tell you we we've run background checks on anybody that works with children and youth here for many 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 years and you ought to be grateful we do that because we want to have a safe environment for your babies and your children and your students to come into so we run background checks and i got to thinking what if paul had a background check i know it is funny isn't it, in april at least me and april get it okay all right here we go i mean she's already strung me by my mic cord so you know whatever she's gonna laugh at anything i'll say today just so i'll forgive her okay so but in in this cell that we find in ephesians in other places paul goes i must preach the gospel i must preach the gospel of grace i must preach this christ resurrected one to the gentiles and man he was effective and powerful just as I read words of Scripture as we walk through Ephesians 3 this morning, we'll see how powerful he was. This captive audience. 
When I think about Paul in his uh, captive audience ministry in prison, I've told you before, I think about my spiritual mentor that I got to see a couple times a few weeks ago. I got to see him two days in a row. It was awesome. I love that man. And he, he was an oral surgeon by profession. And I've told you when he practices dentistry for 45, 50 years, well, at least 50 years, he would go, I have a captive audience when they sit down in my chair. They are going nowhere. And he would just share Jesus. He led person after person after person to Jesus. That's what Paul has here. Pretty, pretty amazing. Now, let's, let's look at verse 2. Is, is verse 2 going to come up? There it is. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that's given to me for you. This, this stewardship comes here to the Apostle Paul. That he has a responsibility. He has revelation that, that comes to him. What the NIV says, I've heard about this administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is his mystery that is made. This, this stewardship that he, that he has to be faithful to Christ. He has to be faithful to share the love of Jesus with others. He, uh, I think Paul, he will find later in this section, he'll talk about enduring sufferings. And, and through the sufferings that Paul knew, beatings and imprisonment and on and on and on, being excluded, he would stay faithful to the mission. Paul's an example for us. Um, I think Paul's word to me and you this morning, I got to think about this a lot this week. Paul would say, Keith, He'd go, don't lose heart. Hang in there. Don't grow cold in your faith. Stir, fan the, the flame of faith in your heart, as Timothy said. But continue in this grace, in this gospel of the Father. It's good news. See, there's three reasons why I think he shows here about suffering. We're in God's plan. We're now God's people when we're in Christ. But the third, we have now access to the presence of God. So yeah, you, it, it, it seems tough on this side of heaven and maybe you are going through some suffering and you have more suffering than others. When I think about persecuted Christians around the world and what suffering and imprisonment and martyrdom for Jesus, amazing witnesses for Christ. Then I think about how really little we really suffer, yet we think we suffer. And we do suffer. And it's, I mean, I don't know anybody signs up to suffer. It's just not tough. But here's what I'll say to you about suffering. I've preached on suffering before. Suffering has always been part of God's plan. But out of that plan, God redeems it and God uses it for his glory. So it might be that you're going to head into this dispensation of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, of scrutiny. Uh, the Greek word here, it means the house law. It means the law of the house. It means house rules. Paul, here, here's your house rules. Here, here's what you've got to do. And Paul, as I, as I reminded us a moment ago, he's, he's faithful. He, he's going he's gonna to be on target. He says, I know that God has sent me to declare the gospel of good news to the Gentiles. And he never leaves that mission. And so this morning I'm thinking about us, man, we, we need to be reminded that it's always in season to share Christ. And the church said, always in season to share Jesus. Not just when you're going through a hard time, not just when you're facing death, not just when you're in prison, but all the time. I used to do prison ministry many years ago. And one thing I liked about prison ministry, you always had a captive audience. They're going nowhere. And I've, speaking, I've spoken in some big prisons and some juvenile facilities, and I've seen so many, but, it, but it's amazing. That they're not going anywhere. And then they go, hey, preach a little longer. Because you know why? I thought because it was because of my great oratory skills. You thought that was funny, did you? 
but it was not my skills. It's because I didn't want to go back to the cell. It was fun being in the community, and then afterwards we'd have like punching cookies. And they'd go, could you come back next week, but, but next week bring more cookies. But then there'd be a radical group in the prisons when I'd been there that, man, they would respond, and you'd, you'd see. I remember one of the last times I spoke in one of the prisons up, at, uh, uh, up here at Wetumpka, it, it was just amazing the response I saw. And I thought, God, this is, this is what Paul did. Now, he wasn't in that prison. He was in house arrest, but he, he knew about not having his freedom and getting there. I, John and I, we think about our friend Tommy Waits. First time I ever met Tommy Waits, he was a flaming evangelist for Jesus. He walked out on stage in our former church. Whoa, that was fun. He walked out in our church, and he was shackled in a big white prison uniform. Shackled in our church, and I went. And he was big, and I thought, that dude's tough. And he stood up, and he began to proclaim the gospel. Oh, my goodness. And then he got his freedom. Then he became a pastor. No, 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 no. Oh, bad thing was Tommy was a severe diabetic and had to have his leg amputated and ended up dying. But I am convinced this morning, Brother Tommy, and a great cloud of witnesses, is going down there. Come on, little brother. Proclaim it. Proclaim Jesus. Man, I love it. So let's move here. So it's been received here look at verse three how the mystery was made known to me by the revelation this this mystery of christ to the gentiles it, it, it's coming forth and that's what paul wants us to know and it's always got to go forth and and when that comes forth i, I think it impacts I, I think it changes people i know it did for me when when the gospel came to me it changed my life it changed your life if you're in christ if you're not then you're considering what is so it is powerful and let god penetrate your heart if he hasn't move, move with me here so we're, we're just kind of walking through here look at uh verse four in reading this you were able to understand my insight into the mystery of christ which was not made known to men in other generations but it is now being revealed by the spirit to god's holy apostles and prophets see we we look back and we go oh yeah, yeah there's jesus life and death and burial resurrection ascension and we look back and we see all of this. But for these that knew of the coming of the Christ, that had been uh, prophesied by Isaiah and on and on and on, and then Christ comes in his life, and we look back and we go, oh, 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 the great revealing, the big reveal. Christ for all nations. That's what I like. I, I look in the back wall every weekend when I stand up here and speak to you every Sunday morning, I see these flags that represent countries. And it's Christ for the nations. Are you glad that you love the Christ of the nations? We think, oh, he's the Christ for America. Well, he is Christ for America. But he's also Christ to the ends of the earth, to the nations. He loved, people ask me sometimes, what do you think Jesus is going to speak in heaven when he speak English? Probably Spanish. No, no, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I don't, Chinese. I, I don't know what dialect. I know this. When he speaks, we will know, won't we, church? Every tribe and every tongue that'll bow before the throne bow in the knee oh man that is, that is awesome so salvation verse five there it gets unlocked the promise progressive revelation comes okay and it gets revealed by the holy spirit it has been hidden but now it's come forth i i just can't say that enough church to let us know we, we just need to be thankful for where we are in this uh train of progressive revelation in 2018 what god has revealed over the ages and what god has to reveal to us in his son jesus christ He's an amazing God. Um, he, uh, he, he comes here to let us know. He, he revealed, I'm glad the Father's revealed the Trinity to us. And we live in this time where the Holy Spirit just didn't come on people and then leave. The Holy Spirit would come. And he would seal and mark as Ephesians teaches. And he's our resident God. 
And the Trinity is us. And that's been revealed. The Old Testament prophets would have longed to have known the fullness of the Trinity that we know. They would love to know that the ones that before Christ, they would have known that they, they knew about. They knew he would come, but they would have loved to have known him as we get to know him. Man, just awesome. Look at verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Gentiles, Jews, fellow heirs. When you're a fellow heir, you get to, you get to share in common. You get to share it with other people. I mean, it's like, a, let's say you have an inheritance on, on, on this side of, of, of heaven. Not your spiritual inheritance, but you get an inheritance for your parents or your grandparents. How many of you want to be a, a fellow heir in inheritance? Or you're like, oh, no, I'd just like for my brother or my sister to have it all. You just lied in church. No, you, you want to be a fellow heir. You want to share that which is partly yours. And then you're happy for that. Well, in this situation, we get to be fellow heirs with the, the eternal promise of God, eternal life in Christ. So the Jews, now with the Gentiles, Christ comes for all nations, for all people. I, I think I'm making it clear you're saying, oh, okay, I'm getting it now. They, they, they get grafted in. I read this story about this guy. He had, he had this tree, and I forget what was growing, and, uh, and it was getting a little weak, and he thought, I'm going to cut it down. The guy came, oh, no, no, don't, don't cut it down. Let's graft some other trees into this. And this tree, when I read this story, this tree had four different fruits on the same tree. Can you say bizarre? Turn to the person next to you and say, odd, weird crazy but i'd like to have one of those trees how many of you would like to have a tree in your yard that produced four different fruits i would just to confuse my neighbors you know i mean i, I think it'd be awesome and and i and you know i'm not a horticulturist or whatever you are anyway I, i'm not a guy that goes out and grafts trees I, I i've read about it over the years I, I think it's pretty fascinating but when i read about that i thought man that's what god does he grafts the jew and the gentile into the same tree and when they're in christ Man, we get forgiven. Man, God, that, that is awesome. This grafting thing was not man's idea. It was your idea. You know, when you come to Christ, God grafts you in. When you become a believer, God grafts you into the household of faith. I remember 40 years ago, I got grafted in to all those saints before me and all those saints living currently and all those saints that would follow after me. And I go, God, you're good. It was a joy to be grafted into the house of faith. Amen. You want to be grafted into God's family. Uh, here's the word, adopted. You want to be adopted by God. You want to be chosen by God. God had chosen Israel to proclaim to the nations that you're adopted now. So here it is. So um, move with me. So the Jew prior to Paul, they saw bits and pieces of how the Gentile fit into the plan of God. But God then reveals it very clearly, transparently, as Paul proclaims. See, when you read the Apostle Paul, Romans, and other books, you see this brilliant mind of kingdom authority. I've read the letters of Paul over and over every single year, sometimes multiple times a year. I love this writer. I love this man of faith. He's one of the first people I want to see in heaven. He's not first, though. Who do you think's first? Jesus. And then it follows my family. But real at the top, I don't know, you're like, you rank them? Well, I mean, I don't have a sheet of paper like, no, God, this is my order. You're going, oh, you know, but I do think Paul is one of those I can't wait to see. What a man. Paul says in this section of Scripture, I'm the least of these. I'm the least. 
You just think, well, man, he, he definitely didn't have the ego. He could have said, I'm the greatest. No, he's, uh, you know, Pharisee of Pharisees and zealot. No, 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 no. He goes, I'm the least of these. Hey, move with me here, though. So he, he gets grafted in, the Savior of the entire world, this mystery of, of the gospel. Uh, in verse 6, uh, if you just wrote out on the side, Gentiles are given equality with Jews to inherit the kingdom of God. I like that thought. Um, Paul a lot of people were skeptical when Paul came to faith and was transformed on the Damascus Road. And then they saw that he was the authentic, real deal. And they began to follow him, the teachings of Jesus that he proclaimed in the temple and Bible study class and home to home and, and as we said today, in, in prison. It's awesome. Um, Romans 1, uh, 16, right down that verse. One of the earliest verses I ever learned as a Christian. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the salvation of God for those who believe, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Man, Christ for us, for, for the nation. I'm not ashamed of him. I hope you're not ashamed to, to become a, a servant. The, the word in the Greek would be become a diakonos. I know you're going, I ain't calling nobody a diakonos. They, they thought I'd call him an ugly word. Well, that means to become a servant, a doulos. And man, just I want to be a servant of Christ. And then some of these Greek words, you know, you can just look at, oh, okay, that's what it means. Energio, energy, this, this power that works within me, this Christ who is real. That's who Paul would proclaim. I would have loved to have heard the Apostle Paul preach live. Oh, man, I, I think that would have been amazing. I don't know, Paul and Peter, to, to have heard those guys preach. And you're stuck with me, I'm sorry. Thank you for not laughing too hard, but you're, yeah. Christ, the Messiah, high and lifted up. All right, move, move, move down here. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel, that's Paul speaking, by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. That's an energizo. This working of the power of Christ, the power of the resurrection, it works in me. And, you know, you go, man, Paul had a great mind. Paul had been redeemed. But then the Holy Spirit worked in Paul to proclaim the unsearchable riches that we'll see in a minute of Christ. Man, I, I love that. Matter of fact, listen to verse 8. I, I, it might come up. I, I don't remember if I put verse 8 on the screen, but listen to this. In the ESV it says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. If you have your Bible open, circle that word, unsearchable riches. Man, that is... That is depth that is richness like no other that's god's love that's god's grace that's god's sacrifice for sin and mercy that's god's promise to come it's the wonder of his grace that exceeds our ability to understand that's what god's marvelous grace is and god says these unsearchable riches now i want to i want to preach them to all people to gentiles and jews alike but i've come to be the apostle of them Here, here's a thought i wrote down you can never exhaust the riches of jesus christ here's what i've learned about my riches i can exhaust my riches can you exhaust yours yeah i mean like no more money and paydays two weeks later or whatever or you get a big beer like oh man this is horrible but the riches of christ they are abundant overwhelming you, you can't even get to the depth of them Here, here's what i think the grace of God, the riches of Christ, they stun me. I, I love that word, stun. Write it in your notes today if you take notes. These unsearchable riches of Christ, they stun me, they amaze me, they overwhelm me. 
They're abundant. They're for me. I, I love that about Jesus. He, he doesn't leave us where we are. He doesn't leave us alone. And, and then Paul here, keep going with me here. Verse 8, although I am the less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, I, li- I like this about Paul. Paul was extremely authoritative. Paul could be extremely combative. <laughs> he was an extremely kingdom. But I see a lot of times in Paul, I see humility, especially here. I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of these. Uh, I, the verse that comes to mind is one that I've shared with you hundreds of times, and I'll share hundreds of more times as long as God gives me breath. It's John 3.30. Write it down. It makes me think where John said he must become greater. I must become less. He must increase. I must decrease. That's what Paul says, man. It's not about me. It's not about my magnificent name. <laughs> it's about Jesus. I'm making him known. Man, I wasn't even looking for him, and he like arrested me. He blinded me on the Damascus Road. He got my attention. But man, he's a great God, and I follow him today, and I make him known. And I, I like how God says in Scripture, I choose the foolish and the weak. <laughs> Aren't you glad God chooses foolish and weak people? I am. I got chosen. <laughs> I'm weak. I'm foolish. So are you. You're saying, well, I'm not. Well, read Scripture. I think you'll find that you are. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That's what Jesus does right now in heaven. He he intercedes. He makes intercession for you and me in heavenly places to the Father. I, I love that. But what does that verse, the first part say? He's able to save, to, to make whole, to redeem us completely. Jesus makes us complete. He's a completing God. I I love that about him. Verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Here it is. I've said it in a lot of ways, and I think you're getting the gist of it. He brings forth the revelation. He brings forth the light. He brings forth the revealing of the mystery. It's no longer a sacred secret. It's out there. How how many of you, if, if somebody tells you today, hey, I've got a secret for you. I don't want to hear. No, I got to go. That's not true. If somebody's got a secret today, you'll stay after church to hear the secret. No, you'll stay after church to hear the gossip. But if somebody really has a secret, you go, ooh. And then they go, now, shh, it's a secret. Don't reveal it to anybody. I get told a lot of secrets as pastor, some that are tough to hear. Some that are awesome. Here's the one that's always tough for me. I'm going to get engaged, but don't let anybody know I'm going to woo her. I'm going to surprise her. Oh, okay. Or here's the one. Hey, I'm pregnant. Don't let anybody know yet. Oh, okay. And this has happened a few times. Pastor, I'm pregnant. (gasps) I haven't told my husband yet. I suggest you go home quickly and reveal the secret. Because I want to run home and go, I know a secret. But, but I don't. I just go. You know, and usually, I mean, you're going to get found out in that secret, aren't you? I mean, you just are. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. Brings to light here. No other religion here claims the secrets of Christianity. 
But the mystery of, of the gospel, it gets revealed in, in God's Son. John says, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him, by Jesus. That's what I think Paul would agree with John here. Don't, don't lose heart here. Verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. He says through the church. You know who the church is? The ecclesia. It's the gathered ones of God. It's the redeemed, the chosen people of God. It's us if we're in Christ. He makes it known through the church. The gospel witness goes through the church, through individuals, the gathered ones. This manifold wisdom that makes known to those in heavenly places, those that are justified and redeemed. I, I got to thinking about this, that I think it was very interesting that it, this manifold wisdom has an idea of many colors and, and various forms. But then he, he talks here, look, look there with me in uh, verse 10. Be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms, I think it's made known to angels, angelic beings. It's made known to them. See, Christ didn't die for angels, he died for man. And he makes it known. And, and when we're on display, I think we reveal things that even the angels in heaven long to look into. And we're on display for God's glory. And I think for all eternity, how God works all this out, and we co-join him as co-heirs with Christ, and we rule the nations and the world. We have assignments and whole other stuff we do in heaven. But it's just neat, the angelic beings. Like today, angels surround us in this place. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I think the saints that have gone before us. And I also think angelic beings. How many think there's angelic beings all around this place today? There are. Now, I, I need to tell you something real quick. I, I just, just, I'm going to do just a little sidebar, but I want to tell you, because I think this is important, and I, 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 I want to teach you the best I can. When you die, you don't come back as an angel. Can I just tell you that? And all the time people go, so-and-so's died. They're my guardian angel. They come back. They, no, no, they're not your angel. They're a great cloud of witnesses. But we do not come back as angels. Okay, church? But there's a lot of false teaching out there about, I'm going to become an angel. No, no, you're not. But there is an angelic host that encamps around the body of Christ, encamps around the church, encamps around us. He, he, he intends for us to be a demonstration of his grace and his love and his mercy to the angelic galaxies. You know, it would probably overwhelm me if I could see the angels right now, how many are in this place and fill this place and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, oh God, the Lord God Almighty who is and was to come. Amen? It'd also scare you about this if you knew the principalities and powers and demons that probably surround us too and fight for our souls the great angelic host. We're on display. That, that, that's what I want you to hear, on display. Something much bigger than our struggles going on in our lives. But we do have struggles, and, and Paul is, is quick to address that. Um, I think God uses this journey as a canvas, and our lives depict him, and they reflect him, and he wants to paint through our lives uh, a witness for his name. And some of, the, some of your lives are beautiful displays. You know when you go into an art gallery or you see beautiful paintings in your home, you go, man, that's a beautiful painting. And then you might see some like, I ain't going to tell them, but that's kind of cruddy looking. You, you ever looked at this art, it looks like somebody just threw up on it? It's, and you're like, oh, that's worth $2 million. I'm like, gee, I could have painted that. My name's just not Picasso. Okay, so, but here we're on display for him to shine like lights in the universe. But we give lessons to heavenly audiences, is what I believe here. But, but listen to this. We're, we're going to land this plane pretty quick. 
Verse 11, according to his eternal purpose, which he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we, have, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I, I, I love that. And according to his eternal purpose and with confidence, we get to approach him. Uh, this morning, I pray that you know enormous confidence in Jesus, that you, you rest in him with boldness and access, you, you draw near to faith to the Father right now in this day and next week in the days that you have to live life. It's, it's a comfort to us. The greatest gift that God gives us himself, that we have access through Christ to Abba, to the Father. And Lord, I, I want to have confidence. I, I want to, uh, confidence, I would, I would think it means this, reliance and trust in Christ. That's what you have. In Christ, you have reliance on eternity. And you have trust that your sins will be forgiven and you'll reign with God forever. God, thank you. Thank you for that kingdom thought today. In Hebrews 4, 16, listen to this. I, I love this passage from uh, Hebrews. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to find grace to help us in our times of need. Anybody need grace this morning in your time of need? That's, that's what I've kind of proclaimed today. This mystery is for the Jews and for the Gentiles that you can have grace and you can approach God's throne with great joy and with a great confidence. And you don't have to shudder. You don't have to go to an earthly priest anymore. You just go straight to him as we talked about in this series. So I bow my knee. Verse 13, just look there with it. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And was, a lot of them, they loved Paul, and they were concerned for him, but that's okay. It's not, it's not for me. It's for your glory. It's for the glory of Christ. So nobody is exempt from suffering. The Apostle Paul shows you and me that this morning. He didn't get to get a, a, a pass. <laughs> no suffering. Paul knew about suffering. Fill in the last blank today. You know what? I, I don't even think I gave you my outline, did I? They did? Thank you. I, I got so into this text. I, I just wanted to make a few comments receiving the mystery, ministering the mystery, the mystery which we've been talking about and living out the mystery. But I want you to see this last one. Suffering advances the gospel. Every time suffering is in our, in our life and we properly submit it to Jesus, it causes the gospel to go forward. So I pray this morning we would advance the gospel. And, and here's what I know. We will suffer in this life. Some of you right now are going through some hard times and you're suffering. And his grace is sufficient. And I hope that through that suffering that you're experiencing now, or you will experience, that Christ somehow will be honored. You know, I like that about the body of Christ. People are concerned for one another. And when they suffer, they want to come in and they want to love and they want to support. That's what the body of Jesus does. Amen? So in that, we just need to advance Christ together. God, help us to be about your thing. I, I want to read this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. And I'll close with this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. That's God's word this morning for you and me, that somehow we just advance the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for teaching from your word. We love the book of Ephesians. God, we, we want to have revelation. We want to have understanding. And God, of course, we want to have application. Somehow, God, take this rich theological truth and help us to apply it. And one thing is just, Jesus, we want to put you on display through our hard times and through our suffering, but we want to make you known. Thank you for the Apostle Paul that he was steadfast, that he was immovable, and he was faithful. Help us be those kind of people until we gather again. In the name of Jesus Christ, and the church said, amen.